I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You're listening to Muses and Stuff. This is the podcast that's all about the dolls. They were the groupies, the wives, the girlfriends, and the muses who played such a huge role in rock and roll history by simply being themselves. They were sweet, sexy, brave, and powerful. They went after what and who they wanted, and they made no apologies. We are your hosts, Shanti and Lynx. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey there, this is Christian Swain from the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Rock and Roll Archaeology? What's that you say? We are a podcast network dedicated to digging deep into the amazing music that exploded out of the second half of the 20th century. We believe the music, culture, and technology wove together, and it is an important story of history as, say, the Italian Renaissance or the Impressionists of Paris. We have six shows, all with a different side of this incredible time. Rock Talk with myself and host Peter Ferrioli, Real Rock, and that's R-E-E-L, hosted by Andy King. Vinyl Snob with the legendary Dave Whitaker. Rock and Roll Librarian with the headmistress herself, Shelley Sorensen. Deeper Digs in Rock, where I interview famous rock and roll personalities and the people who scribed the times and events. And finally, our full telling of the history of rock and roll, the Rock and Roll Archaeology Podcast, which started it all. Find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So let's get back to Between the Sheets of Rock and Roll with Shanty and Lynx. And muses and stuff. Hello, you rock and roll trolleys. Hello. And Linksy. This week's been really fun. I missed doing interviews with people. It was fun. Yeah. I've I've really enjoyed us just doing our uh, episodes lately, but it was nice to have someone come in and chat a little bit. That's right. Yeah. So this episode is going to be a couple of different interviews, beginning with Alex Vicia of the band Vicia. Yeah. Um, you got to see them at Indie Week. Unfortunately, I had to work that night, but I have been listening to her album, uh, Placeholder, and it's really awesome. I imagine the show was great. The show was fantastic. And actually, it wasn't a part of Indie Week. She just happened to be here promoting the new album at that time. Oh. And it was she. It was funny because 
um, a lot of the times when you're in a venue or sorry, when in a city like Toronto and you have something like that going on, there's tons of people at all different kinds of shows and hers, you might've thought that, well, there's so many people going out to different shows. Yeah. Her, it was packed. It was awesome. a packed house and everybody was just really enjoying themselves. It was fantastic. That's great. Hopefully she'll be uh, coming around again and I can join in next time. I hope so. So not only did Visia just release a new album, which they're on tour promoting right now, mm-hmm. um, but we also speak to Alex about her record label that she just started called Hurry Hard Records. Yeah, she's uh, she's on the business side now. She's not just a recording artist. She's taking control and it's nice to see women going out there and getting what they want yeah she really does everything so uh but we won't give it away because we talk all about it um in the interview coming up yes. so enjoy and please be sure to go find her online yeah she's wonderful. Music. it was really yeah. great hanging out with her and uh yeah love her album we are sitting here with alex visia all the way here from edmonton thank you so much for talking with us thank you for having me you're very welcome. Um, I'm noticing that you and Lynx are wearing very similar shirts. Big fan of it's the ball tee style. Yeah. So, <laughs> Lynx, you have a blondie um, shirt on. Yeah, I guess it's like t- um, baseball tee shirt. Yeah, that's what I would call it, like a baseball. Yep. Baseball kind of style, yeah, t-shirt. And who are the denim daddies? <laughs> <laughs> that's my friend's band from Edmonton, actually, and they... Um, they play country music and they write their own and it's like real country type stuff. They're a lot of fun. And also um, their bass player plays in my band at home too. So That's nice. That's what I remember most about uh, living in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Just lots of denim. Yeah. Lots of denim. There's lots of denim. <laughs> I am not wearing a band t-shirt, but I am wearing the same turtleneck that I've been wearing for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting cold. Yeah. No one can blame you. But I'm like, I, I'm... I mixed it up a little bit today to give it like a bit of a 70s vibe. I'm not wearing a bra. Wow. There you go. Perfect. (laughs) I think so. So um, we got hooked up with Alex through Agnes DeMarco, Mm -hmm. which I think is a nice little little meet cute. Yes, Agnes is the best. And uh, any recommendations she has, we were like, really? Like, let's check it out. Let's check it out. (laughs) Sweet. She's one of those amazing women that likes to bring people together. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times when we talk about the women on our podcasts, um, like when we do episodes about them, a lot of the times they were like setting up uh, people meeting, which then changed courses of people's careers, which is nice. I mean, especially yeah. when it's women, you know, championing other women, getting mm-hmm. everyone connected. So, yeah, totally. This is special. So you were on uh, a guest on Agnes's podcast called yes. uh, Agnes and Sandra's Three Way. Yeah, <laughs> best best name ever. Yeah, <laughs> cool. So, anyways, I'm glad that we met. I got to see you at the Burdock on mm-hmm. Friday night in Toronto, and it was such like it was such a pleasant surprise. Like I knew that it was going to be good, but not only were you and your band amazing, but um David Newberry who opened up was awesome. Mm-hmm. I remember him from around Peterborough days. I think he lived there or his sister lived there for a little while. Okay. But the opening act blew me away and then when you and your band got up to do your thing, I was just like, if I wasn't already a fan, you, I was hooked with your live show. So <laughs> congratulations. You guys are amazing. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So I guess the first question we'll start off with is, tell me about your guitars. My guitars? Because well, they're nice. Thanks. <laughs> well, the one guitar I actually played at the show, I can't take credit for because it's not mine, unfortunately. But um, my guitar is a Gretsch Tennessee Rose. Um, and then I also have an acoustic guitar that I just don't play live as much, but I have a Martin D28 as well. And then I have a little tiny travel baby Taylor guitar. So I have three pretty, you know, I don't know, minimal, I guess. <laughs> I haven't collected enough yet, but maybe someday we'll see. Do you have like a dream guitar? Um, I don't know. I feel like I would have to be like in the store, like just trying them out. And then I would find my dream guitar. I don't yeah. know if I have... Like, there are a couple different ones that are pretty standard, I think, for, like, 
rock and roll and, and kind of country that like I'd, I'd like to own a Fender Telecaster someday I think um and also Fender Jaguars are pretty cool too so it's funny I just yeah. I just recently reread Harry Potter for like the first time since oh sweet my yeah childhood and when you were talking about like going into the store I was just like picturing you like the wand scene <laughs> where like you know your wind flies perfect the wind <laughs> all over your hair and you're like this is the one yeah <laughs> You were meant to be. Matt, I wish that was how it actually happens. <laughs> I guess inside your soul, if it's the right guitar, it happens. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, I definitely pictured that as like a video or something. Like, uh, yeah. Alex finds a guitar. Like music video idea. I'm going to put that in my brain, you know, save it for That's later. perfect, yeah. I'm going to dress up like a, you know, a wizard or a witch or something. Do it. <laughs> First rock and roll wizard. Mm-hmm. All right, so your first band um, comprised of you and your two sisters. So I imagine that means you grew up in a pretty musical household. And I was wondering what kind of music were you listening to and how did your passion for music develop? Um, yeah, I grew up with a lot of music in the house. Um, my mom always had lots of music going on. And neither of my parents are really musical, but they appreciate music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember everything in the house from, well, I mean, obviously Disney sing-along cassettes mm-hmm. were huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had those and little songbooks yeah. that came uh-huh, along with totally. it. So I remember like <laughs> The Lion King quite vividly as being a huge one and probably like The Little Mermaid. Um, also, like The Wizard of Oz, like Somewhere with a Rainbow is pretty big. Um, different musicals that way. But then also um, my parents like to listen to a bit older music. Um, I remember a lot of Neil Diamond playing in the house. Uh, my dad liked Super Tramp quite a bit. And then country music is in there. And then my mom really liked some kind of music from the 60s, like Mamas and the Papas. And then like kind of from the 50s as well, like with lots of those like kind of backup harmonies and things like that. Um, and when I was five, my my parents put me in piano lessons. So that was my first musical instrument and that was kind of my first little introduction into playing music and I actually stuck with it for surprisingly I know a lot of kids going to piano lessons and you know might stick it out for a few years and then they're like uh-uh mom and dad I'm not gonna do it but I I enjoyed it so I took classical piano for a number of years um but with my sisters um we started out singing in church choir actually oh. so that's where kind of like singing together came together Mm -hmm. and um there was a family in our church um that had probably like six or seven kids and so the daughters like ran the youth choir so there was always like oh now there's harmonies and we're learning harmonies um and then a a lady at our church was a voice teacher so she kind of reached out and said hey like maybe you guys would want to take some voice lessons to kind of check it out i think you have some potential and so yeah it just kind of kept snowballing from there and then playing at local seniors homes really was our first oh, first gigs so nice. as little little kids when we were i was like 11 probably i think when we started doing that and then and yeah eventually just like one thing led to another and then did you know little singing competitions and things like that just things that are accessible natural. to kids yeah very <laughs> yeah. natural progression yeah yeah for sure and so and then eventually just got into writing uh my own songs just i guess I don't even remember why we I started writing songs, but I just remember always doing it. So a way for my, my little child heart to deal with things, I guess. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if I told you the, this, links, but Alex's sister is one of her backup singers. Oh, no. And I don't even know if I told you this, but she has at the show in Toronto there were two backup singers and it was so nice to see that it was just it was so refreshing and you guys sounded so good together and it just made everything so rounded and it's oh, true you don't often such a good show. backup singers that like you know just random rock and roll shows anymore but mm-hmm. they really do add like a, a next level to to the music and they looked like they were having fun and they were dancing sure. and it was just <laughs> awesome yeah so you came from, or you come from Stony Plains, all right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and you're still based in Edmonton. Now, I know you and I talked about what it's like to come from a small town mm-hmm. and what it's like to visit your small town, but um, it seems like your roots are important to you. And how much does that, well, how much does that play into your music and in your career? Well, I think 
I've always Would you felt- move to Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've always I've been really fortunate to have really supportive parents. Um, I think that's really key when you're a young person trying to do music or trying to, you know, pursue an art form. Because I, I know I went to school with a lot of people whose parents didn't really take them seriously and thought, okay, well, you're going to try this and then, you know, you're going to go become a teacher or something or go, go, I don't know, become a nurse or just do something where they, they don't feel that it's a legitimate But what are path. you really going to do? Mm-hmm. It seems so far-fetched. Yeah. If you don't grow up in a big city and you come from a small town, mm-hmm. then it seems so far-fetched and that you would have to, like, just really go off and... Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you're kind of nuts for doing that. Yeah, totally. Um, and I mean, in Stony Plain, we had a lot of opportunities within the community too. And um, so I think we were lucky that way as well, just having different opportunities. There's different little festivals that happen, um, and things like that. And then um, I think in terms of like my roots in my music now, uh, I think that they're still there for sure. Just growing up doing a lot of country music mm-hmm. and that's kind of, you know, shaped, I think, who I am as a songwriter in a lot of ways. Like I really focus on lyrical content. Um, and yeah, it's just there's certain elements, I think, that kind of show through um, as I kind of go forward. So, yeah. It shows also the importance of um, community arts and, you know, people banding together and bringing festivals and things like that to smaller communities and making sure that's, you know, a big part of growing up and Mm -hmm. so that the children see that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like Stony Plain was like small town, but not super small town. So I think that was also kind of, you know, I think it might be easier if it's not as small, but at the same time, I mean, there are some really small communities that have really vibrant art scenes going on and just like, it's just, if people are appreciating it and trying to cultivate it, I think. But yeah. So a lot of your songs, uh, they're very heartfelt and they feel quite personal. Do you mostly use from your own life as inspiration or, uh, do you look elsewhere for your material? It's a very personal question. Links. It is. (laughs) They definitely are rooted in personal experiences. Um, I think as I'm going forward now as a songwriter and with um, this new album, there's a lot of this in it, but um, just kind of like drawing from other people's experiences too, or not drawing from it, but just being an observer, kind of like being the fly on the wall kind of thing. And then it's it's just my own interpretation of events really. Um, but I think, you know, if you have people in your life that are going through their own things, you're going to start kind of developing your own stories around them in a way. And at least that's what I've been doing. Um, so some of the songs are like super personal, like very directly related to me. And then some might've started that way, but then totally developed into something that isn't as, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't as much me. Directly. Yeah. Okay, so a muse doesn't always have to be a lover. They can be a friend, family member, or even a pet. <laughs> have you ever gotten inspiration out of a surprising source? Um, have you ever written a song about your dog? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't. <laughs> I did have a dog though for a while, and maybe maybe I owe her a song. Um, n- not something from that, but I have a couple. I have a couple songs, okay, two <laughs> out of all time uh, that I wrote that weren't about relationships. And one of them is on the new album called Maker Stay. And it's more about um, like the place you come from. So for me, it's Alberta. So that's where a lot of the references um, in the song come from. And um, I sort of decided to personify Alberta as being more of a a person i guess cool so when i say she it's talking the province but yeah just kind of um i think i've always had a bit of a nostalgic lean um in general in life like enjoyed like looking back on things and i think i'm starting to outgrow that a little bit as i get older but um i've always lived in the same place more or less so i think that's where that strong connection comes comes from um so like with that song, yeah, it's 
it's not about a person, but it could totally be interpreted as that. Like I've had people, you know, write about like, oh yeah, and then there's this song about, you know, a lover or whatever. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And that's totally fine. Like I'm totally cool with someone, you know, driving their own meaning from the song. So yeah, it's really cool that, you know, every song means something different to every person who listens to it. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Definitely. All right. So you recently launched your new label, Hurry Hard Records. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to not only be a recording artist, but to also build your own label as well? Well, as like, uh, as an independent artist, you're more or less operating as a label. So you're already doing all the things a label does. Um, and so like a, a big catalyst for the label happening now is definitely, um, to do with the fact that I received some grant funding for this album. Nice. So that's hugely helpful. Um, and so it just seemed like the right moment where it's like, okay, I have, have this kind of little financial backing I can use and I can, you know, try to do things better than I did last time with my other two releases. And, and that's a lot to do with just you know, being able to hire publicists, for example, and like, you know, different costs with like advertising and, and merchandise and things like that. Um, and then, yeah, having this new record and just having like the, the right amount of time, being able to develop a timeline properly, it just seemed like the right moment to kind of seize it and do it. Um, so it, it's still in the, you know, baby stages of being a business. And we're we're working on it. Um, my partner Nick Davies and I own it. And see the drummer in your band. Yeah, no. yeah, he's the drummer too. He's cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got actually a lot of cuties in your band. <laughs> band of cuties, I know. <laughs> Is your guitar player single? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> no, he's not. Actually, none of no, nobody in the band is. You have to lie and say that everybody's single because I think what did they? That's what they used to do back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah the Beatles are definitely all single. <laughs> it's so true. Pretty much every episode we do on like an older, it's like yeah, it was a secret for a while because I wasn't allowed to exist. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Where was I going? I forget. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, your partner. Uh, and oh yeah, you have just the, the label. label and, got the label. Um, Hurry hard, yeah. What's where did that name come from? Well, it's a curling reference oh. for curling, and then being from small town Alberta and from the prairies. I mean, I think curling is across the country. Mm-hmm. I think, but I don't know. It's, it's more prevalent out there. Yeah, sure. I think so. Right. Yeah. So we just wanted to pick a name that was very Canadian um that way and then also if someone didn't know curling or doesn't know that term it's just you it's know still cool it can still work yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely um yeah it can mean a lot of things i like that you're smart uh and beautiful um <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> and super talented because like you even do your own album art right like yeah. you were telling me that um yeah i do the layout and design and the artwork I mean, I, I have friends that, Hello. you know, my friend Emily Bushinsky, who um, co-produced and engineered the album, um, did like my photos for the album. So her and I worked a lot collaboratively on this project. Um, and then, yeah, so just like the whole kind of concept with the artwork I did myself. And I do artwork for other people, too, for different bands and artists. So um, I think it's just like a nice way to kind of add even more to kind of the body of work that you're trying to put out there. So it's, it's coming straight from me, I guess. Um, so I feel like I can, yeah, just kind of like add to the experience that way. And it's like a little piece of you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, so you have released a couple of records before, <laughs> um, you just had your album launch in Toronto, um, you have this record label, you're touring. What have been some challenges and what have been some of your successes? However you define that. I think that's something I still am working on in general because, I don't know, the word success is such an arbitrary term mm-hmm. and it can be a lot of things. Um, and I think just no matter like what you're trying to pursue in life, for for me anyway, it's just making sure that it's meaningful 
to me, but also other people that I'm working with, I guess. Um, and so I've had my own struggles as a musician just with, you know, feeling like what I'm doing is worthwhile sometimes. And I think every artist probably goes through that in some way. And it's like, well, I guess like I try to remind myself like the point of the work is the work because the point of writing songs is writing songs. Um, but it's also, it's interesting when, you know, you find like, oh, people connect with the songs, but then you don't want to kind of go too far that way where you're not like trying to write for other people, but it's just like a really, really lovely like byproduct I find when people kind of let you know that what you're doing has meaning for them too. Um, so I think a lot of the challenges are more internal. Um, and then, you know, you have these successes where, you know, you have a great show in another city that you don't even live and that's really cool. <laughs> when you guys all came off the stage and hugged each other, I, oh, it was so we had nice. A group hug. You got an encore. Yeah, that was oh, really nice. Oh man, it was awesome. Yeah, so and and also just being in the music industry can just feel really intimidating a lot of the time because um it's such like an oversaturated industry and there there's so many people trying to do exactly the same things. Um, in different ways, of course, there, that's the other challenge is that there isn't like a direct here is point A, B, C, and D, and then you will get to E. It's like completely your own map and you're making it up as you go and things change often and you have to just adapt to situations. So I just try to be really flexible, try to, you know, embrace challenges instead of getting super stressed out about them. But inevitably I, I do get stressed out. <laughs> But I, I went for a great walk today outside for a couple hours, and that was awesome. So I need to do that more often. Yeah, it's important to enjoy the little successes. And yeah. Yeah, and we were having this conversation when you were over um, last week over a glass of turmeric milk. Yeah. Um, that if you can't enjoy those in-between moments and find the real happiness in the in-between parts and in the little things, that when you do hit your big things on your list, then, you know, it's like it, it means even more if you can really appreciate the little steps from from mm -hmm. there and find the little happinesses too instead of just saying this is my one goal and once I hit that then I'll be happy yeah right but finding the little things um and I find this year too like I've had so much more empathy for artists and people who are like having flexible schedules and having to add things here and there because I've been a nine to five or my whole life in terms of like going to school and then immediately going to more school and then working in schools yeah. that now that I've given that a break it's like there is a whole other level of stress of yeah. having a having like an alternative schedule than other people and so then the you start to question chaos. yourself yeah. like yeah. am I really adulting if yeah. i'm like not at work at yeah. monday on monday at one o'clock exactly mm. yeah or if you don't wake up at a certain mm -hmm. like 8 a.m it's like am i wasting my time or is this it's like yeah time management is definitely huge yeah organization time management yeah. <laughs> it's like the two things that yeah. i continue to work on and when you're not like life. forced to keep a schedule on that and you have to kind of make your own it definitely it's harder than it seems. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we haven't really talked about your new album yet. Tell us all about that. It's so good. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is so good. Um, well, it's been a long time coming, or at least it feels like it, because the last thing I put out was four years ago. Um, so all the songs have been written over the course of the four years. Sometimes I write a lot. Sometimes I don't write as much just because so many different things can get in the way when you're an independent musician trying to make a living and, or at least pay rent and yeah, just kind of keep the ball rolling. So, um, the thing with all the songs though, is I think there's kind of still a common thread because I tend to write about, um, a lot about like relationships between people and more kind of like those like close up moments and, kind of those subtle nuances that happen in relationships. And there's a lot to do, I think, with, like, miscommunication between people, writing about that and just, like, how hard it can be to say exactly what you're feeling to somebody. Um, and I think that just stems from, like, my own struggles with doing that 
very well in life, like just communicating what you're feeling and what you're thinking and just being really open with people instead of just kind of like harboring it all to yourself. And cause that just leads to really messy situations. Um, so the, the whole feel of the album kind of follows that. And there's a lot of full band stuff on this album. There's lots of backup vocals. I think overall it just has a really like warm feeling to it. Warm sound. Yeah, I agree. And, um, kind of, walks that line between like folk and rock. So it's kind of in between not anything super heavy in terms of rock, but, but there's a couple more gritty numbers that I enjoy playing. And, um, but then there's, there's room for, for more space too, which I really like. And I think that's the beauty of being a solo artist too. It's kind of like, you just go wherever you want to go. <laughs> and it's called placeholder. Mm-hmm. What, what's, uh, tell us about the title. It's really interesting. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I kind of look at songs as being like a Polaroid sort of, I guess. Like each one's just like a snapshot in time. Mm-hmm. So I always think of songs as being a placeholder for that moment or, you know, for a certain emotion or a certain experience that I had or someone else had. So so that's why I decided to call it placeholder. And And I think the fact that, you know, all the songs are written over – a period of time of four years it's kind of kind of made sense to me anyway so that's good i like that mm-hmm. thanks each song is a little piece of time yeah cool. a little moment um i was just thinking that i forgot to take the poster at the burdock oh <laughs> there is a beautiful poster of you that was just like outside of the venue and um just crinkling up my nose because i feel like i'm gonna sneeze no i got it i'm good um <laughs> But it, yeah, like your the the picture from that po- like from that show was so awesome, and I'm just um, I'm obviously just what do they call it these days? Fangirling out. <laughs> it's called being a groupie, okay? <laughs> so like, God. So yeah, no, I'm just um, I'm a big fan, and I'm I'm really happy that I got to see you play. Thanks and, for coming. Um, mm. Yeah, that uh, that we got to meet and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, you're on tour until the thirtieth, you said, right? So like that's yeah. another couple of weeks. How mm-hmm. are you? Because um, I've traveled for one, two months at a time before, and but mostly I've just stayed in one place or stayed yeah. in one place for a week at a time, and that's like hard enough. So how are you doing with being on the road and moving around so much? And what are you doing to keep? <clears throat> Well, um, besides um, your walks, I guess. Yeah. Going for walks is good. <laughs> I ought to do that more. I was looking at the step counter on my phone and I was like, mm, there have been some very stationary days. Because <laughs> uh, when you're riding in a car to the venue or like, you know, to a different city and back again. It's um, late nights. Oh yeah, my God. It can be late nights. Well, and it gets dark so quickly right now this time of year too. So it's not like, you know, you get home from a gig and it's summertime and you're like, okay, let's go like do whatever, do something. Um, but I mean... For portions of this tour, I've been able to stay in one place, so which has been really nice. Um, so a lot of my time, I've been in Toronto, the Toronto area, and a lot of the shows haven't been super far away. So what we've been doing is just kind of doing the day trips where we're just, okay, go play the gig, drive home afterwards. Okay, go play the gig, drive home afterwards. Um, and that way, too, people can, like the people in my band can kind of like have their day times the next day, too, because we don't have to leave super early. And people can sleep in their own beds, which is really nice um, because I definitely value having like a home base. And so I've been staying with my sister, Alicia, while we've been in Toronto, which has been excellent because it's just like nice to have like a comfortable space. Like we're really close, so it feels really comfortable and I don't have to feel like I'm in anyone's way necessarily. So thanks, Alicia and James. <laughs> yeah, you're already like home with family, even though you're not home. Yeah, with exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, now we're going to go on kind of like a handful of dates here where we are in a different city for a few days. And province. Mm-hmm. Going to Halifax. Yeah, going to Halifax. Going Royal to Quebec. Stomping grounds. Yeah. And when we go to Halifax, we will... Nick and I are there as a duo. And um, the others are going to drive back to Toronto from Montreal. So we're going to be in Halifax for a whole week, which will be kind of nice because just to kind of get a chance to immerse ourselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you have um, favorite cities in Canada that you always are excited about playing? Um, I definitely have a couple favorite spots. Um, 
I really love Vancouver Island. The West Coast is really, really awesome. I've never been past Edmonton, and I was 11. You must. I know. You must. No excuses. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you have to go to BC and... I'm going to go visit Agnes. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to go to BC. Yeah, you should do that. Because Vancouver Island's amazing, and... um Long Beach and Tofino is one spot I've only been to a few times, but it's always amazing because I've never lived by the ocean, and every time I go to the ocean, I just want to stay there. So, um, so that's one spot. And then I I really love going to Montreal a lot, so I'm excited to go there for a few days coming up rather soon. Um, and then last time I was through Nova Scotia, I was driving with my friend Lindsay Walker. We were on a tour together. And it was like the warm season, which was amazing because for some reason I always end up touring in the winter because most of the year is winter, it seems like. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I'm still discovering places, though, and I haven't toured enough, I think, to form really sound opinions about cities. And it's really, I mean, it all comes down to the people that you know. So, like, no matter where you go, you're going to, if you meet really awesome people, it's going to be awesome. 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 And everything about you is awesome. Everything is awesome. (laughs) So grateful (laughs) to be here, everybody. (laughs) Thank you so much um, for being here. Thanks for having me. And I'm really happy. I hope that, uh, yeah, I can't wait to just watch how everything goes with the album. And um, I think we're going to be hearing and seeing a lot more of you. Not only us, but us, but lots of people are going to be hearing and seeing more from you because you're just too (laughs) talented. (laughs) And yes, do you have a website, things where people can find out these extra tour dates and Mm -hmm. check out your album? Definitely. Um, So if people go to viciamusic.com, I have all my tour dates up there. I have links to my different social media things if people prefer, you know, to follow me on Instagram instead or something like that um, or Facebook. Um, I do have a mailing list where I'll send out an email once in a while which I've been kind of trying to um, invite people to do more often because, I don't know, let's face it, like social media can be so uh, frustrating sometimes and just like too much, too much stimulation. So if if you don't want to have to do that work and go find out things, I will just send you a little email. Be like, hey, here's what's up. Um, Bands in Town and Song Kick 2 are the two places that I post my shows. So those are good ones to follow and then that that site will just send you a little email if i'm around perfect we'll put the link up for sure thank you okay thank you so much and good luck with the rest of your tour thank you bye (laughs) thank you we just had an awesome interview that's right yeah it's indie week here in toronto and we got to interview forest so they are a duo Um, made up of Holly and Matt. And they're both so lovely. They both have uh, great hair. Oh, yeah, they do, right? Great jackets. Great manes. Great manes. Yeah. Yeah, so they're playing uh, two shows in November. By the time this episode uh, airs... Yeah, one will be over. But they'll still have one to go. They were lovely. They came over. They have a show tonight. They gave us some of their time beforehand. And their next one is on... The 17th at the Rivoli, I think they said. Yeah, that's right. So Forest, and that's spelled F-X-R-R-V-S-T. And if you're like, why? Well, they will explain that in the episode. So, yeah, we asked them what the name, what the significance of that spelling of the name is. And also, it's pretty cool because being named Forest and Mm -hmm. Holly's last name being Forest... They just so happen to be a really unique band because they are environmental activists. Yeah, which is so awesome. And they definitely gave us a lot to think about. And uh, yeah, it's just so great to be able to support bands who, you know, support good causes. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Mama Earth. Um, Yeah, and it was one of those instances, too, where the microphones went off and we kept chatting. And then afterwards, Lynx and I were like... We wish we would have had that, too. <laughs> yeah, we got to chat with them a little extra. And, yeah, we had a great conversation. They're both they're both great people. 
Mm-hmm. So definitely, definitely check them out. Wait, did I mention that they've recently been nominated for 2017 Toronto Independent Music Awards for Best Indie? Why no, you didn't. Okay. Well, there, <laughs> well, you, there go. you go. So yeah, definitely check them out on YouTube and we will link up all of their stuff uh, in the show notes. But again, check them out. Forest spelt F-X-R-R-V-S-T. Here goes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muses and Stuff. This is a nice one. We haven't done a band interview in a while. We've been doing a lot of episodes about our ladies, um, but it's Indie Week in Toronto right now. So we're talking to a couple of bands, and the people that we have in front of us are in a band called Forest. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for being here. Um, Holly, you're originally from Australia. Yep. And lived in Indonesia before coming to Toronto and meeting Matt. Were you both actively searching for a musical partner, or did that happen naturally? Um, the way we met happened, like, coincidentally, so naturally, but I, th- I think we are both into music, and I didn't want to do it solo. I like working with people, and so I was looking for someone to collaborate with. Um, but I don't think Matt was. No, um, well, oh, yeah, I should hold this. Um... Yeah, I, I was I was doing schooling for music. I was one I just I just dropped out of jazz music for guitar at York. Um and I was going into Seneca for songwriting. So I was I was kind of in it for myself and I was writing my own songs or whatever, but um I'm not very good at writing lyrics at all. I'm not a very word person. <laughs> so when when she came, um we had a mutual friend and uh he was like, Hey, you both do music and um you should you know, talk to each other and jam out. So I'm like, okay, whatever, sure, that's how it works, I guess. And then, um, so the, I think it was like the second day that she arrived, we actually met in person and we tried playing, and um, it was pretty bad. Oh, <laughs> it was pretty bad. We we hated each other's music. So um, like Holly likes more of the harder stuff and like punky stuff and alternative stuff, and I like alternative and indie stuff too. But I've lean towards folk a bit more so in my head it was like man your songs are like no and she's like no your songs are no and it's like okay well but i think you're just kind of looking for someone to start something with so then eventually just kind of meshed so how did you come to combine the sounds to make forest um it was we like ended the band quite a few times in the first two weeks um but we ended up just uh, what's it called compromising because we didn't want to wait anymore. We wanted to start our music career, and it was like, okay. I guess I like that part of that song, and I guess you're not too bad at this. And then we just started liking what we were writing, and so it's it's like no surprise that we don't like a lot of our earlier songs we wrote because there was so much like pulling. Like I guess we'll go with this, and these newer songs and the last couple from the album we really love because. It just we loved writing it the whole way through. We figured out how to write it together, and um, yeah, more fun this way. Yeah, awesome. So since your styles are so different, I imagine you might have had different uh, musical interests, influences growing up. Which, what do you think were your biggest? Uh, my biggest is definitely probably Paramore. That was my first like. Um, big like I love music and I love this band and everything uh. about them and from them I discovered almost every other artist that I love and from them I discovered Tegan and Sarah who is like now tied with uh. Paramore and I love them and their music and their lyrics and that's probably most of my influence. Were you at the Paramore show recently? No. <laughs> uh, it yeah, was so we... good it was like my first introduction to them actually like live they were great. <laughs> we <laughs> We were um we were at the uh Indie Awards. Oh, well that's hey, that's a great excuse. Well, <laughs> yeah, we were both really sick and oh. we uh are anxious around people so we stood in the back. Um and we didn't win and that was fine because we're friends with the people who did win, but like I would have much rather been at the <laughs> Paramore concert. Aw. So yeah, Matt, tell us what your influences were. Um I never had to really think about this till we started playing. I think subconsciously it'd be Fleetwood Mac. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love Fleetwood Mac <laughs> so much. But I was never um, 
I've never been a person who kind of like I hate saying the word stalks a band, but like online does all like the homework on them. Because so I just kind of just listen to the music and that's pretty much it. But um, just like our my our producer, he kind of was like, "Oh, you like Fleetwood Mac?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Oh, this guy Lindsey Buckingham, such a great player." And I was like, "Who's that?" <gasps> and then and he's like, "Don't you like Fleetwood Mac?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "That's the guitar player." And I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I like the band." Lindsey Buckingham, who's she? Yeah. Well, yeah, that was actually my first thought, and then. I actually ended up doing my research because then after I realized who he was, I was like, wow, he's a crazy good player and I might want to do some homework. So I fell back in love with them recently again. Have you seen his solo music video for the song Trouble? No. I... It's the best. Oh. It's the, I think, most unintentionally funny video I've ever seen in my life. And there's a point in the song... It might be like at the one minute and 42 second mark where he <laughs> he just bites his lower lip and goes... Yeah, <laughs> it's the best. No, I gotta look that up now. Yeah, I've, 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 and I've kind of put the Fleetwood Mac little worm in her brain too, because now we just went on a huge spree and just got the whole discography and everything. And there's yeah. much more to Fleetwood Mac than just rumors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you never even realize until like you kind of just listen to everything, and then you're like, "Hey, I know that song. They wrote that." And it's like, "Yeah, oh well." No wonder, no wonder why they're no wonder they're such a successful band. Yeah, they're definitely a band where, like, even if you don't think you know them, you know them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So one thing that when we were looking into bands for Indie Week, because it can be quite overwhelming. There's tons of bands. Yeah. So uh, Eric is kind enough to send us. You guys know Eric, right? Yeah. Isn't he amazing? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we just started working with him, so it's pretty great. Oh, he's a genius. Um, he's like Frank Zappa to us. Um, so anyways, he sends us like potentials like, who would you uh, like to interview? And then as soon as I saw that you guys had like place a huge importance on environmental issues, I went, yes. Because I want to be having these kinds of conversations. Yeah. So, um, can you tell us about how that started? When did you decide to incorporate that into your musical journey? Um, I think it was um, just subconsciously in our musical journey from day one. Um, ever since I was little, like aside from music, my idol is Steve Irwin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So, the Crocodile Hunter in Australia. Um, and he is a huge, huge inspiration to me. And ever since I was little, I wanted to be a conservationist. Um, and you need to be smart to go to school for that. <laughs> and my grades weren't really in it in high school. Uh, and I fell in love with music. So it's always been a passion of mine. And I thought if we get somewhere in music, I want to use that platform to speak out about the environment and everything that's going on about it. So now my no one likes someone that you know you're doing this wrong and pick up that and you should be turning your lights off so we try and do it more like oh with buying this shirt you're helping this and just a bit more subconscious so like we're not the, those annoying environment people that people hate we're, we're more like oh I didn't know I was helping out by doing that and that's a cool new thing that I'm gonna start doing not that we think environmentalists are annoying just like no you know, but you know what I mean like this generation it's um Luckily, there's not a lot more. My goodness, a lot more um, environmental people, but it's also easy to turn a blind eye on things and just scroll past it on Facebook, and that's too depressing. I'm gonna just stay in my bubble and not, you know, take note of that. So we're trying to make it less of a big depressing, like you're destroying the world, and more of a just subconscious thing that people don't realize that they're doing to help. My bad. <laughs> Since we're already on the topic, uh, do you have any suggestions for fans or other bands even that would want to start to be a little more environmentally friendly or how they should go about learning about that? Um, a big thing for um, fans, I guess big fans that like going to shows, is just a, a mode of transport. A lot of people just, one person goes to a show or two people and they take their own cars and I guess a lot of gas and it's a, a lot of money even. Um, so public transport's a huge one for that. And then for bands, what we tried to do is uh, packaging. Because you buy a CD and it, uh, if it's in a music store, sometimes they wrap it and then it's already wrapped and then it's in a 
in a jewel case and a CD case of its own, and then it's new ink and it's new plastic and it's new paper, and um, there's a lot of um, ways to get merchandise almost 100% eco-friendly that's not much more expensive than the regular stuff, and it's not going to look every, any different. Like I think our album visually looks like any other album. It doesn't feel any different, and it's quite easy. I couldn't believe when I was traveling this summer and I went to the uh, grocery store in uh, London, England, and all of the fruit and vegetables were individually plastic wrapped. And when I, yeah, and when I go to grocery stores, usually I don't even put my fruit and vegetables in the plastic bags. And they were kind of tisking me that I didn't put the, yeah. So it's like even little things like that that you consider. And did you ever hear that Father John Misty song where he says something about think about all the oil that it takes to make a records, to make a record, yeah, the shipping, crazy. the vinyl, the yeah. Yeah, there's so much there that people just don't think about mm-hmm. that could so easily, you know, be put towards something environmentally friendly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you next? Oh, it's my turn. <laughs> Um, if you could book your dream tour, um, which other bands would you want to hit the road with? Oh, this That's is a tough. tough one. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, besides Fleetwood Mac and yeah, well, I, I actually I mean, would not want to tour with them because he would just school me so hard, <laughs> and I, I pretty much cry when I hear him play already because it's like I wish I could be you, but, but um, I don't know. I think uh, I've I've. I'm really into Mumford and Sons, um, but unlike a lot of their fans, I really liked Wilder Minds. I don't know if you know that album. Is that the one that came before the really popular one? Uh, it's the one that came. It wasn't very popular. I think people just they changed their sound up kind of, so they just released another album. Yeah, it's the one just before that. Oh, it's okay. kind of more of like a rocky. So I think it was the one before that that I liked. It came yeah, out like, probably. Oh shit! <laughs> That's usually what happened. Everyone liked up to that point, and then the new stuff came out. And it was more alternative-y. Um, but I, I like them a lot, so I wouldn't mind touring with them, but that's a big dream of mine. Um, but recent artists, um, really like Always. Oh, they're great. Yeah, I yeah, really like Yeah, they're from like the East Always. Coast. Oh, are they? I, had no, I, I just assumed that all the Indian bands are from Toronto for some reason. <laughs> I think just because... Maybe they all like end up here. Maybe? Yeah, probably. There's just like a communal meeting. Yeah. Um, we're really into partner at the moment. Yeah. Oh, also from the East Coast. Oh, really? Okay, there yeah. you go. <laughs> They're from New Brunswick. Oh, really? oh, okay. Yeah, and actually I know that because I'm a juror for the East Coast Music Awards and partners up for, I think, Best Rock Album of the Year. Cool. Whoa. Do you want to add any? Yeah. I um, well, I yeah, I just fell in love with Partner. So they're, they're great. That would be a big one for me. Um, I love Two Pieces. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> then you hire other musicians. Yeah. Sometimes. But um also I didn't know them before I came here, but the Arcals, that's I think that's a big one for both of us yeah. actually. Um Yeah. I'm trying to think of someone else for me. Tegan and Sarah and them, but we <laughs> that that's uh, implied. So, um, when I was researching you guys, I thought it was really cool. You have a couple episodes up on YouTube where fans can sort of follow your journey. Um, and I noticed it was called Road to Somewhere. Yep. Uh, where do you hope that Road to Somewhere ends up? Um, so that was more of our friend's idea. Matt's um, high school friend is now like, into film and stuff. And he had this idea of doing a documentary on us. And we're like, okay, sure, like, it can't be a bad idea. And um, we just liked the idea of uh, just following us along the road Um and like different steps we take, like even from that first episode until today, mm-hmm. like watching it, it's like, well, it's a big difference. And like our goals have completely changed and like everything is a new, like we've made it, we've made it like every, every week there's a different thing. And um, I think we want that to just, I don't know if we want it to end. I don't think it, we just want it to grow with us. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So should we expect more episodes then? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, they're really uh, they're really fun. I want to have a YouTube channel where we go on the road and every uh, little success along the way. We consider ourselves proud groupies. 
cool. So that's, I mean, that's kind of our thing, right? It's like reclaiming and bringing back the G word, that how like important fandom is and yeah. how important uh, that kind of stuff is, but that's kind of been tarnished over the years. But we're, yeah. we're happy to call ourselves groupies because they always have the best taste in music. It's true. Yeah, no, 100%. And fandom right now is definitely important, especially with Spotify killing uh, killing all sources of income for bands yeah. <laughs> and the decline of uh, concert goers. Like, yeah. oh, you mean like fans actually going out and purchasing and like in general? I mean, just in general, I find that a lot of um, a lot of people just stop caring about music. Like, there's a, there's a there's a few people that I know that are real music lovers, and like, it's it's really admirable because like that's the way it used to be, and I hear. I hear stories. I sound like like I'm like a new generation like young person, <laughs> my, but like I hear stories of how like my parents and my family, like my aunts and uncles, would go to concerts like every week, and like even if they don't know the band, they just walk into a bar and someone's playing somewhere on the street, and you just go and listen to them, and that's how you meet a new artist. But nowadays, a lot of people I think are a little bit more skeptical, a little bit more I don't know, I don't want to say elitist, but maybe just a little bit more um, picky. Yeah, even here in Toronto, there's so many venues that are closing recently. And yeah. like even from like my teen years to now, just seeing how many of the places I used to go like to every week are just gone. It's yeah. it's upsetting. Yeah, no, totally. I got uh, kind of schooled by a 12-year-old the other day. Um, they were telling me about a really cool show to check out um online and i was like well where can i find it and they're like oh it's kind of hard to find i was like oh so i'll, I'll just stream it and they were like no you can buy it and i was like oh right and then i like i was the one being the bad example of like well let's just stream the entertainment that we're getting and it was actually the kid that was like no you should probably support them because also the message that they're like giving out is really important so i was like yes maybe it's coming back that's really cool there is hope there is hope out there plant that seed yeah, totally. Um, so can you tell our listeners about your album and uh, where they can check it out? Of course. Um, so it's a nine-song album, and it's called May 26, but it's uh, in Rom- Roman numerals. What's the what's the significance? Uh, we couldn't think of a name, so <laughs> that's the release date. Oh, well. So, yeah. Well, that's yeah, significant. It's when we released it. So it's May XXVI. Um and you can get it anywhere, really, any platform, I'm pretty sure. iTunes, Spotify, Bandcamp, um, what's it called? Amazon. Stream it, but, I mean, you guys would really appreciate it if we paid for it. Yeah. And go out to the shows. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. the shows is good. You can you can download it for free, but if you come to our shows, that's, that's enough. Yeah. And you're playing tonight. Yep. So by the time people listen to this, um, this show will have been passed November 9th, but you're also playing on the 19th? Uh, the 17th. 17th. Yep. Oh, so 9th and 17th. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. And where are you playing on the 17th? Oh, uh, we're playing at the Rivoli with um, Mono Wales. Oh, I like that yeah. venue. Okay. Well, we will be there. Oh, thank you. Um, I will. I can definitely. Well, I can speak for myself, and I will be there that night. Um, so speaking of the the Roman numerals and things like that, can you tell us a little bit about the spelling of your band name and what's that about? Because I'm sure you get asked about that often, right? Yeah. This is not a new question. <laughs> no, I, I think everybody asks us about it. Well, the first thing is no one can pronounce it, so they're like, "What's that?" Like. <laughs> Thick service. Yeah, pretty much. Ten so, or five is. <laughs> so our running joke is just that we both dropped out of school, so we just don't know how to spell. <laughs> but like, um, the X and V is fifteen. That's the year we started um, the band. So that's the main, uh, the main. Oh thing yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, we try to highlight it with uh, in our actual logo. Um, we change color sometimes, but usually the X and the V is red. So that's how we just kind of try to make it stand out a bit. Um, and it's cool. Your last name is Forrest. And her last name is Forrest. So and we kind of go for that. environmentally friendly. Yeah. It all works out. And your hair is green. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys so much for coming and uh, doing this with us. This was lovely. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I know. Sure. Have a great show tonight. And we'll make sure to post all of that stuff um, on our social stuff. And then we'll definitely, definitely see you on the 17th. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 
Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make season two even more memorable together.